open your Bibles with it this morning, if you would, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Luke, chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, and Luke in your New Testament. Luke, chapter 10. A very familiar story. The Good Samaritan. Talking a little bit about how God wants us to work in people's lives. Trying to answer that question. If God were going to say something to me, what would he tell me? So we can know that when God speaks to us, one of the things he always says is get involved. Get up and do. It's one thing to sit and believe, and there's a place for that. But there's also the idea that we are to get up and do. So we're going to talk about that today. Luke chapter 10. As always, we pray. Uh, the reason that you may have noticed that David Scott is not here today, his father had some kind of medical crisis this morning. I don't know what the nature of it was, but Dave's taking care of him today, so that's why he's absent, so keep him in your prayers. And Judy Perry's grandson, great-grandson, is, or grandson is having surgery soon, so be prayer for them too. I'll give you a few moments to pray where you're seated. I'll close, and then we'll look at this passage together. Would you join me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence, for giving a place to worship that is safe and secure. Thank you, Father. We live in this wonderful place where we live free, we eat and are safe wherever we are. Thank you, Father. You have blessed us. We pray this morning that in this worship we would please you with our gift of worship, that we would open our hearts to the moving of your spirit and that you would be able to teach us from your word. Thank you, Father, for this life that we lead and for loving us as you have. We thank you especially for this life that we have in Jesus, for the salvation we experienced, for forgiveness of sin, for the fact that in faith your Holy Spirit lives within us. Thank you. We pray this morning that you would be with those that we've mentioned who have special needs, Dave and Judy and their families. Work as only you can to bring health and healing and a sense of your presence. Give them comfort and hope. We know that others struggle in this culture and in this world. There are many who suffer. Be with them, Father. We pray that we might be able to help them in some way, that we would use the great powers you've given this nation in a way that can bring peace and justice to others. As always, we pray for our soldiers, our first responders, and their families. Be with them. Keep them safe. Use them, Father, to save lives and bring peace and safety to situations. And as always, Father, we pray for our nation's leaders, those who have power over us. Guide them. Give them wisdom and discernment. Help us to remember that even though we disagree with much of what our leaders may say, that we are still part of a nation blessed with good governance. We pray, Father, that we might honor you, 
We pray for your blessings. We pray for your lead. Teach us now from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Service, work, helping others, getting involved. It's all a part of this faith that we call Christianity. It's more than just what you believe, it's what you do. Maybe our video can give you an idea of what we're talking about today. Work. Most of us spend over half our lives at work. Whatever it is you fill the nine to five with, planting crops, building cars, taking care of patients, teaching students, or running a business, work is where most of life happens. For some, work is a drain. They dread Monday mornings, forcing themselves to struggle through because they need the paycheck, while many times feeling trapped and beaten down by their job. Some people love their work. They're good at what they do. It energizes them. It's a place of security, a place to chase dreams, desires, and success. At work, they find fulfillment. We often forget to connect our faith to our work. We don't consider the reasons God may have us at our job. We don't think about the purpose and meaning we could bring to our work. We simply focus on how it makes us feel. But what if we saw our work as an opportunity to worship? As Christians, we are called to serve Christ with our lives. For a few, that means working as a pastor, a youth minister, or a missionary. Others serve the church by teaching children or singing in the choir. But when Sunday is over, most of us return to our jobs outside the church. For us, our mission is in the marketplace. We may not be the kind of missionary who moves to the far regions of Africa, but around the conference table, around the water cooler, around the cubicle, we have an opportunity to worship the God who created us. He gave us skill. He gave us passion. He gave us work. When we do our jobs with excellence and integrity and diligence, it's an act of worship. We are displaying God's craftsmanship to the non-believing world around us. We are earning the right to be heard. We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or a traditional missionary will never see. We have conversations with people who would never set foot in a church. Whether we love or dread our work, we choose to turn the focus away from ourselves and toward the mission God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days in our calendars that have meaning. Every day on mission for God brings us great joy. Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs and Josephs and Peters who are called with a purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, Work is worship. That last phrase was a, was a telling idea. Work is worship. So what you're doing right now is considered worship. But when you go out and you witness and share your faith or you just help someone else in the name of Jesus, that's considered worship too. So if you're thinking about pleasing God or trying to work out your faith or show other people that you're a Christian, you don't always have to be religious, even though there's nothing wrong with that. What God wants you to do, though, is be helpful and gracious and kind to other people. Jesus talked a lot about his followers working and doing good things. Uh, a disclaimer here, today when we talk about working out your faith, we're not talking about working in order to be saved. 
some people get this confused, you are saved when you trust Jesus as Savior. And only God at work through Jesus in your life saves you. So before you do anything else, you receive Christ as Savior and you become Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And then from then on, God wants you to work out your faith, demonstrating your faith and showing God that you're serious about it. It's one thing to talk. It's another thing to do. Jesus talked today in this passage we're going to read about how Christians can live out their faith. So follow along with me if you would in Luke chapter 10. I'll begin reading at verse 25. Luke chapter 10 verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, and went off, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he answered Jesus, the one who showed mercy towards him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. A familiar story, and yet still one rich with meaning. We have this understanding that God works in people's lives, and that God works in people's lives sometimes through other people. So God works in you by making his spirit work, and you understand that God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, works within you in a lot of ways, and by influencing you and, and bringing you into situations and things like that. But God also works in your lives by using other people who are Christian. And he does that in order to serve you and to serve the kingdom. So one of the things that we want to understand here, and this is on that first screen, is that we are all the recipients of someone's good service to God. So you may not be aware of this. There are people who are serving God every day and you encounter them and they may not come across as particularly religious but they are gracious to you or helpful and they be, may be doing that as a way of working out their faith. A little bit about the story. So the story was really very simple. Jesus was in a group of people and he was questioned by this man, what do I need to do to get saved? And it says it to inherit eternal life. That's what he's talking about though. And Jesus said, well, what do the scriptures teach? And so he quoted him back to scriptures. Now said, love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, good. Good for you. And then the guy said, well, but what about the neighbor? And what about this? In other words, he wanted Jesus to recognize that 
He was probably a notch above everybody else. Not only could he quote scripture, not only had he paid attention to when the preachers taught, he was probably a little bit better than everybody else. We don't know that, but the fact that he asked this question, not for clarification, but just, you know, as Luke said, so he'd be noticed, said, you know, shows us this guy wants something from Jesus, a little bit of recognition perhaps. So just keep that in mind. So Jesus told this story. Parable of the Good Samaritan. A couple of characters, just so you'll know. Jerusalem to Jericho, a long downhill rocky road. And they didn't drive cars, they just walked. And a man was walking, don't know anything about him. And he was beaten by robbers and they took everything he had and left him for dead on the side of the road. And then a priest came by, a preacher guy came by. Should have done something because preachers are supposed to do that sort of thing. But he crossed the road. He didn't want to be bothered. And then a Levite. Levite were the family of people who worked in the temple. And so he wasn't a priest, but he was part of the group that kept the religious services intact. Another very religious guy, a recognized religious leader, and he too ignored the man who was bleeding on the side of the road. And then a Samaritan. Just so you'll know, Samaritans, when Jesus said the Samaritan, everybody rolled their eyes because in his culture, Samaritans were the lowlifes. They were half-breeds, mixed ancestry. They didn't know their grandparents and great-grandparents and those kinds of things. And that was important to Jewish people. So when Jesus told this story, he set them up for a fall because the good people weren't doing anything good. And the guy that they knew was a loser, well, he's the one who ended up helping. So this guy who was a Samaritan of mixed ancestry, not a Jew, didn't pr practice the correct faith, anything like that, he did the right thing. He helped the man as much as he could, took him to a motel and put him up for a couple days and made sure he was cared for and told the owner, you spend what you need to to take care of him and I'll come back and check on him in a couple of days. And Jesus asked, okay, so who's the neighbor? Well, the guy goes, well, the guy who helped him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Quite a story, isn't it? If you understand the dynamics of what was going on in those days, Jesus just turned their understanding of people on their ear because in their mind, and this is what they thought, Jewish people who went to temple were good people. And Samaritans who didn't go to temple weren't good people. And the fact that these two guys that were supposed to be the good people didn't help, well, that was a bad deal. And the guy that should have been a loser, he turned out to be the good guy. You've seen movies like that where the bad guy was the good guy and, and things were upset. And the reason Jesus did that is because a story like that challenges you to think, well, what does it take to be a neighbor? What does it take to inherit eternal life? Because the two that did nothing good believed all the right things. They checked all the boxes. Yes, Lord, memorize scripture, go to church all the time, all those good things. But when it came time to actually do something, they, we weren't willing, particularly for a guy who would get their hands messy. And the Samaritan, who everybody knew Samaritans weren't any good, well, he was the one that did the right thing. You see, Jesus was challenging their notion of who gets in and who gets out. And you know, the religious games that people play. And the religious games are, let's go to church, let's say the right thing, let's check all the boxes, let's memorize some verses. But I don't really want to do anything with my faith. 
I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get my hands messy. don't want God to change me at all. But Jesus is saying, listen, if that's all you are, you're not there. The guy who actually did something, who put some faith to work, he's the one who did what God wanted. So we have this idea that God was using a Samaritan. Now, like I said, the Jewish people understood and this was the official teaching, by the way. God didn't love Samaritans. Samaritans could not do those things. They couldn't do anything right. Their ancestry was bad and so on and so forth. And, and they just knew that. But Jesus was saying, well, wait a minute. But the Samaritan, he did the right thing. The implication was that God was working through the Samaritan. You see, that surprised everybody. So, so let's just take that idea a minute that God works through people, maybe even people that aren't the right kinds of people. God uses anybody. So think about this. Is there a possibility that someone in your life has done something for you and it was a direct result of their faith? Can you think of a parent or a grandparent that might have drugged you to church as a kid and you didn't want to go? Maybe... Some preacher got your attention somewhere along the way. Maybe a teacher in Sunday school thumped you in the head when you needed thumping so you'd pay attention and sit still. I remember Jim Barry doing that very thing to me. You don't know him, he's dead. Thumped me, woke me up. Dad said, you probably need it, leave me alone. And it was that simple. And I didn't thank Jim Barry, never realized what was going on until it was too late and he was gone. I thought about this this week. This is one of those weeks where I didn't get to sleep for some reason. So I had a lot of time on my mind. And so I had the ability to, to think of some people in my life that have served God by helping me, directed me in a certain direction. Some of them are very gracious and very kind. Some of them not so much, but they all pointed me in the right direction. I had certain professors that pushed me in certain directions. Others that were in my face pushing me away from certain things. God was using those people. Some of them are nameless to me. I don't even remember who they are. But God was doing that. So ask yourself, can I think of anyone in my life that pushed me or nudged me or drew me in the right direction? A Sunday school teacher perhaps, a neighbor, something like that. I remember when we moved to Excelsior Springs and I was four years old, and I don't remember this, but my mom told me the story. And we visited a church, and there was all eight of us, because there were six kids, and my mom and dad, and we packed a pew in one of those things, and we didn't like the church because it wasn't home church, etc., etc. We didn't like the preacher because it wasn't the guy we left. Didn't like the music, etc., you know, all those things. And we went home, and we had roast preacher for lunch and all those kinds of things. And then that week, a woman named Dorma Lee showed up at our door. Now, you don't know Dorma Lee. She was just one of the ladies at the church, she visited my mom that week, found out that my mom played the piano, found out that my dad had been a deacon and that my, mom, my dad sang. And normally in the next few days, introduced my mom to several people, put her in touch with those in the music ministry, put my dad in touch with the deacons and those kinds of things. And she wasn't religious at all. She probably didn't say anything about being a good Christian. She just was nice and gracious and helped a new family get in touch with the church. And I always remember mom telling me that story because it meant everything to mom. Mom didn't want to be in Excelsior Springs. She didn't want to be there. She didn't like the whole move, all that business. 
She didn't like anything about the new big town. And yet, normally, one woman made all the difference in the world. God used her. Now, see, Dormalee wasn't being particularly religious, but she was being faithful because God used her. She was doing what she could. She had the gift of hospitality. She brought us food. She came into our house and sat on her van and laughed with my mom and got her to laughing, which didn't happen very often, and all those kinds of things. And over the next few years, Dormalee and her husband, Tommy, they were significant people in the lives of my family just because of that. I don't know that I ever heard Dormily get religious at all. She would say an occasional thing about the Bible, but wasn't that kind of person. But she was gracious and loving, and we grew to be good friends. This is how God works. God works through people doing what they can do to affect our lives. So again, I ask you the question, think of your life. Think of who might have worked with you or for you in some way. Go and do the same, Jesus said. Be like the Samaritan, not like the priest, not like the Levite, the guys who checked all the boxes, who said the religious thing when it was appropriate, but really didn't do much. They were all talk. The Samaritan, though, he didn't check the boxes, but he had something within him that moved him. God was working with him so he would help someone who needed help. Go and do likewise, Jesus said. So think about it. Is there a possibility that God has been working in your life all along? A parent, grandparent, friend, neighbor, preacher, teacher, whatever. Is there someone in your life that's nudged you in a good direction? Maybe it didn't involve them inviting you to church. Maybe it just meant they were helping you in some way. Think of those people. Maybe... It was God working to influence you. You know, we always have this idea that there's always a religious thing going on. The man on the road really wasn't interested in Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't bring that up, did he? He was just dying on the side of the road. The Samaritan, we don't know what he said. He just took care of his physical needs. You do not have to be a preacher for God to use you. You do not have to know what to say for God to use you. Someone that you encounter may be helping you in some way. They may not bring up church or Jesus or anything. That doesn't mean God isn't using them. God uses people. People of faith. And we know from the Old Testament that God uses anybody he can. If there aren't people of faith, he works with somebody else. God uses people. And this is the way God works. He does things in our lives. He changes us. He makes us think. On screen is this idea, the Christian faith is, first and foremost, a spiritual endeavor between you and God. In other words, you become Christian when you receive Jesus as Savior. And guys, that is between you and Him. No one can do that for you. You pray to Jesus, Jesus, will you save me? And it's just you and Him in that moment. And you are Christian. And then, our faith is worked out fully and correctly only as you work and serve others and worship in cooperation with others of the faith. So getting involved in a church is one way that God uses you, one way that you can serve, one way that you can shape lives, and this, this is what God wants us to do. So Jesus was confronting this good guy. He checked all the boxes, but there was something missing which caused Jesus to tell him this story about 
what God really wants from people. Like I said, it's one thing to be religious and say. It's another thing to be faithful and to do. This idea of service is a characteristic of the Christian faith. This next idea is service is a key characteristic of the Christian faith. If you look at Christian history, you'll see that service is what makes Christianity active and vibrant and noticeable. The bunch of religious folks sitting there singing songs isn't really what God uses that much. He does that, but that's not really what changes worlds. What changes cultures and societies and people's lives is when people get involved. When you get involved, when someone helps you, or when you learn to help others. The Samaritan was the neighbor. Now, they didn't live next to each other. Neighbor means someone who helps. So your goal as Christian, and Jesus implied this in the story, if you're going to follow Jesus, he wants you to try to be a neighbor to people that need help. So think about that. How can you go and do the same? How can you be a person of service? How can you live out your faith and do more than just talk about Jesus? So on screen is some ideas that we can do to go and do the same. This is for all Christ followers. Read this verse with me. Let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So one thing that you want to do as Christian, if you want to serve, you have to ask yourself, all right, how can I show people I am Christian? Now, sometimes it may mean saying something of a spiritual nature, and there's a time for that. But most of the time, it's just being gracious and kind. Helping someone who needs help, opening a door or something like that or saying thank you or just giving someone an encouraging word. And those subtle things can make a big difference. I've learned the hard way and so have you that sometimes people can make a huge difference in your life just by a subtle nod of encouragement or a simple act of compassion. It doesn't have to be a big religious thing. There's nothing wrong with that but that often doesn't come up. Every morning out in childcare, I stand there and open the door. And, you know, I'm just there. I'm just... The, old, the children, they call me Keb, Pastor Keb, but they don't really know what that means. When I see him in the hallway at the church, they go, Oh, you're the door opener guy. So, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm the door opener guy. And that's all they know. And they don't know what Kev is. Sometimes they call me Kev. Sometimes they... Pastor Kev. Sometimes they call me Bob because Bob Brennan used to work around there. Even though he's this tall and different and all that. You know, I'm still Bob. It doesn't matter. But they know what I do for them. Every day, I open the door for them. There's also a mom that comes. Well, there's 50, about 50 or so moms open the door for that morning. And many of them carry a child care seat. You know the car seats with a baby. And then they have a bag. And there's one woman comes right at 6 o'clock every morning. I'm always trying to be there on time for her because she's got a 4-year-old and new twins, two car seats and bags and a four-year-old. She doesn't carry the four-year-old for all the obvious reasons, even though the four-year-old wants. So guess what I do? I open the door and I get out of her way. She goes, thank you so much. Every morning she says, thank you so much for opening this door. If I'm not there to open the door, and it's really a very simple thing, but if I'm not there to open the door, you know what she has to do? She has to sit down one of those kids, and then she has to sit and hit the button and then when they open the door, they hit the lock. Then she has to open the door and prop it with her foot. Then she has to bend over and grab it and do this thing. And, and she does all this thing. And it's hard. 
And she is so gracious and so thankful every day. Thank you for opening a door. I don't have to say, Jesus loves you. I don't have to sing to her. I don't have to quote a scripture to her. I just open the door. And every, time, every morning she says, thank you. I appreciate that so much. It's that simple. Go to Walmart. There's lots of folk need help. Be careful how you help people. Because you can get yourself into trouble. And I know that too. So be gracious and kind. You don't have to be forward or say religious stuff. But if you see somebody who needs some help, well, help them. If you get a chance to say something of a spiritual nature, that's fine. But it doesn't, you don't have to force that. See if you can help other people. A grocery cart that's gone down the hill and someone, a mama or an older woman that's chasing it, you can help them. Several years ago, I'd gone to a baseball game, a major league game out of town. And I was with my family and we were walking. And there was, oh, me and 40,000 of my close friends, right? And you know how it is. You walked in those kind of crowds. And I was just walking around and we were out and everybody was in a hurry. And we were tired. It had been a hot, long day. We just wanted to get in the car and turn on the AC. And I didn't want to particularly be friendly to anybody. I just wanted to get out of there. And there was this man in front of me, and he began to stumble. And he wasn't old, he was about my age, not an old man at all. But he began to slow down, and I could tell, and I came up behind him, and he was beginning to stumble. He didn't fall or anything like that, but it was obviously he was running out of juice. So I walked up behind him, and I put my arm through his arm. And I said, sir, are you okay? He said, you know, I'm not. I said, well, why don't we stand here for a minute? and see what happens. He goes, that's a good idea. And we chatted about the game and all those kinds of things. And he had had some heart problems and all those kinds of things. And he just ran out of juice. He was kind of lost and turned around. So I asked him what that letter was of the pole near his car and you know how it goes. And by then my daughter saw me and they saw what I was doing. And they swarmed around him. We, they were all patting on him and all those kinds of things. And it became, became a family thing. And we just walked that gentleman to his car. He's fine. Nothing religious. He said, thank you. Can I give you any money? He said, no, don't worry about it. We just want to help. And we just left him at that. He got in his car and everything was fine. And I think about that old guy often because it won't be long. I may be that old guy and I hope somebody's paying attention. You know, and I don't always catch that. I miss a lot of things and Tammy's done that and I missed it and I was oblivious and those kinds of things. But you don't have to be religious. You know, sometimes you're thinking, oh my gosh, I got to quote a scripture, I got to do something like that. No, you don't. Just be gracious. Look for people that need help and help them. Sometimes you will get a chance to share your faith or invite them to church or say you're praying for them. That happens. But that's not always the case and you don't have to force it. And I hate to say this, sometimes it just doesn't feel right and that's a weird thing and I know that. Just be gracious and kind and serve others. Let your light so shine. And then one other thing on the next screen. Go and do the same according to your gifts. <coughs> Read this verse with me. Now, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of working, but it is the same God who inspires them all in every one. Sometimes you wonder, well, I can't really do anything. Well, sure you can. You may not be able to, 
to lift much or help a gentleman who needs help. But there may be other ways you can help. Again, you don't have to help everyone all the time. You know, sometimes we get this idea, excuse me, We get this idea that we have to do everything for everybody. You do not. Just do what you can in the passing of your day. Now, interesting here, Paul was talking in this passage about the gifts that people have, how they can help. And he says, essentially, not everybody can do the same thing. Some people can talk well. Not everybody can. Some people are physically strong and they can lift and pick people up and those kinds of things. Others can't. Some people can cook. Some people are willing to open their house. Some people can move into other people's families and become people of significance. Like Dormerley, I mentioned earlier. Not everybody could do what she could do. Most people don't want to. But that was her thing. My daughter has the gift of hospitality. Go to her house, you will not know anybody there. Me neither. She has this ongoing group of people who flow through her house. She has the gift of hospitality. She loves that. And she asks them to church. It's very simple, very gracious. Do what you can do. Find out what you can do and do it. You may be able to do it in the course of work or school. You may be able to do what you can do at Walmart or some other store, Kohl's or whatever. You might have to make an extra trip to help a neighbor. Sometimes, if you'll pay attention, if a, neighbor, if a neighbor's house starts to look a little disheveled, and maybe there's been a heart attack or a loss in the family, maybe you could mow somebody's yard for them. Maybe you should pick up the mail for them and, and take it in. If you see papers collecting on a driveway, take it in. Take it away on the porch. You don't have to get noticed. Just help. Go and do likewise, Jesus has said. So here's this idea. Help people. Help them sometimes by knowing what they can do. If someone asks you a question, be gracious. Help them. If someone says, will you help me? Say yes. It doesn't have to be convenient. One of the things I found out though is that people will not need help according to your schedule. The people on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem had things to do. That's why the priest didn't help. That's why the Levite didn't help. They had other things. The Samaritan had other things too. He was inconvenienced, but he did it anyway. Helping people sometimes is messy, sometimes time-consuming, sometimes it's convenient, but not usually. So you choose what you will give in terms of time and energy. Remember, God doesn't expect you to do everything. He just wants you to do what you can do. On screen is one other idea. Read this with me, please. Whatever you do, do your work heartily. As for the Lord rather than men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So, quit your griping and just help people. Quit your whining that five minutes of your day is going to be spent helping someone else. Just help. Whatever you do, do it heartily with a good heart. Pretend I'm going to serve God here. Go to work, do your business, do what you have to do. Turn everything you do into worship in a way that can honor God. 
This is what Jesus wants. So what is God going to say to you? He's going to say, well, get involved. So do that. Go and do likewise. Nate's going to come and lead us in an invitation hymn this morning. As he does this, let me challenge you to make those decisions that will allow God to work within you. Say yes to the way God would lead you and begin that life of service. If there's something you need to make public, you can come forward if you would. Would you stand with me as Nate leads us? today. Kelly has come and given her life to Christ just a few days ago and um, she and her family have been here uh, several weeks and I'm sorry I didn't get your name. Kylie. Kylie. I should have remembered that. And she's thinking about it. Mom made a good decision. She thinks that's something she wants to do so we're going to talk about that. If you would like to encourage them in faith and in membership of the church and in following baptism, would you say amen? amen. Okay. You see, we've all done this. And as awkward as you feel, we feel your pain. <laughs> but see, the thing is, all these people know, know that you are a Christ follower. And you're, you want to follow Christ. So that's a good thing. We, we affirm you and encourage you to do all those religious things. But we just love you and glad you're here. All right? So when the services are over, come down and shake their hands. And that's what you get to do. You get to meet a whole bunch of people today, all right? <laughs> okay. George, would you lead us in a closing prayer? Pray with me, please. Dismiss us now, and as we go, help us to show God's love by following Christ's example. Amen.